I will say this. I'm sure as shit looking forward to Hard Knocks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that will be... There will be so many knocks. Oh. And they will be many, very, very hard. Uh. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at the AFC South and the AFC West in a preview of the upcoming season and also taking a look at news from around the league and questions from you guys. So hey, we got Connor here and we got Ronan. Hello. How's tricks? Any crackdown in uh, Cork? Ah, it's not too bad. Uh, keeping down Costa del Cork, you know, a lot of sun. Got a bit of sunburn this weekend, which is rare enough for me. Oh wow! I feel all that, all those, all that vitamin D going right through me, you know. Oh yeah. Not used to so much, you know. Your body just just doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah, I was so exhausted from being outside for a whole day that uh, I ended up spending Saturday evening doing a genealogy project. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I discovered? I come from like at least two hundred, around two hundred years of peasant farmers. Excellent. Which is pretty much what I expected. So solid, solid. And they they farmed the same piece of land for well, Fitzpatrick has farmed that land for nearly two hundred years at this point. That's impressive. So, so you can you can track it all the way back that far. Uh, yeah, most of the land, uh, most of the land on the historical maps is adjacent to a massive bog. So good quality land, of course. Oh, of course, yeah. It should, that's what they say. Top quality farming in Cavan. You know, that's what it's known for. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've also uh, got a little bit of summer myself, although we are sitting with uh, significantly different temperatures. So uh, this week we hit uh, 45 degrees out here in Iraq. Which is, uh, we, we, we were laughing, actually. Uh, so in Ireland, the weather got quite warm. It got up to 27, 28 degrees, uh, at which point they issued a weather warning for six counties in Ireland about it being too warm. Uh, my wife showed it to the people in her office and they all broke their holes laughing because the temperature at which they issued a weather warning for Ireland is the temperature it is at the coldest point of the night out here. Uh, the schools here will only issue a weather warning when it hits 50 degrees. But no, uh, we good, good fun was over in Egypt for a bit and uh, now I'm just in interviewing for jobs over here, uh, getting myself settled into Iraq. I'm, uh, you know, getting to the gym five times a day, or five, not five times a day, five times, six times a week. So if any of the uh, GMs out there are looking for a returning 31-year-old Irish lad to play <laughs> defensive back, I'm, I'm your man, you know. Uh, I'll set up a feeder hey, league out here. You're a two-way player, Connor. Don't undersell yourself. That's true. That's true. Um, but no, it's all, all fun. So yeah, just kind of getting back into the swing of things and uh, got a got a trial for a job now on Friday. So that should be good fun. Yeah, just <laughs> having the time of your life at the moment. Like, oh yeah, it's it must be weird, like having a period of time where you, there's not much happening. Really, it's kind of it's a big adjustment, I'd say. Oh yeah, but it's kind of class. It's like get up in the morning, make breakfast, gym, play guitar for an hour or two, study for about three or four hours, and then you see what I want to do that afternoon. <laughs> it's about it's about a decade of just like accrued stuff you couldn't do because you're working. It's like exactly. Everyone needs like a six months, like a few months sabbatical every mm. decade just to kind of like work through all of the things. They're like, oh, I should go back and try that. Yeah, now, most of them. Most of you are like, whatever. That was, you know, it was great, but I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. But uh, yeah. also doesn't pay well enough. But uh, you know, it's grand. Like it's good. No, to of course. It. And one of the benefits to our listeners is uh, because I've been back playing a bit of music. I've bought myself a bit more recording equipment, so we should have a even higher quality sound again uh, coming up over the next month or so. So that should be good fun. <laughs> Did you spend any time researching basketball? Because 
I believe Emmett, one of our, our long-time listeners, uh, was giving a bit of cheek to you on Twitter. Uh, apparently, you don't know who Kevin Durant is. He was the injured player you referred to in the last episode. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to probably get on Twitter <laughs> at some point. Uh. <laughs> well, the big thing as we're recording right now is the free agency mystery about Kyrie, Le- Kyrie Leonard, who won with the. He was basically the star player on the Toronto Raptor, Raptors when they won mm-hmm. uh, the uh, NBA championship this year. But uh, he's apparently in. He may be on the way to the Lakers to visit LeBron oh very exciting uh, you've heard of LeBron therefore yes. it must be good well no I know I know a little bit but I don't follow it all that closely uh, it's, I don't know what it is about basketball that I've just never been able to get into it I just think it's so much, there's so much scoring that the scoring nearly seems inconsequential it has that American sport problem where there's too many games it's like like there's game on every day and it's like I can't deal with following this like <laughs> it, like you know like, you know, NFL is kind of at the other extreme, and then European sports are kind of in the middle. Yeah. But, like, you know, the American sport where there's, like, three games a week, it's like, this is just weird. Yeah, like, the thing is, like, on, on top of that, that's the reason why I've always struggled to get into the college game properly, because there's just so much of it to try and consume, because there's so many different, like, divisions and, and, and championships, and, ma- like, it's, it's, it's crazy. But I did notice I will be back in Ireland, all going to plan. I'll be back in time for the... Um, the college football classic next year, so we'll have to pick oh, up some nice. tickets. They um they started selling the the fancy tickets to the to the teams now because it's Notre Dame Navy that are coming over. Um, oh, the classic. Yeah, but the um I think the cheapest option I've seen so far uh, on one of their websites was uh, like two and a half grand per person to come across to Dublin for two days, uh, and it doesn't include flights. Okay, that's uh... <laughs> yeah. These 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 are definitely a big money spinner for uh, for any of the colleges, anyway. I'd say, but um, uh, yeah. no, we should have good fun at that. I suppose catch the whales and the move on, then you know. Oh yeah, but we should probably uh, kick off and get through a few bits of news. It's not a while, pal, since we were talking last because obviously it's a kind of quiet period for the NFL to to an extent. All the big moves have been made, and everyone's just getting ready for training camp, etc. So uh, first up, I suppose, uh, injury-wise, Cincinnati's offensive tackle, Jonah Williams, has uh, torn his labrum, which means he's likely gone for the season. Uh, that means that Cordy Glenn is shifting back to left tackle, which is a slight worry for this team. Obviously, uh, massively underperforming the last number of years to what their talent level was or could have been. But it looked like they had something in Joe Mixon and that running game and being able to rely on that, even with, I think, is Giovanni? No, Giovanni Bernard's now gone from there, isn't he, as well? No, he's still there. He's just still there. Tip it along. But yeah. Mixon is the, the boy over Mixon there. is the main fella. Um, I think, did I really write that he was the only back in the AFC to break a 1,000 yards last year? It sounds so implausible. But yeah, I know. It's, it's so weird. I, I just remember something like that. But, um, yes, yeah, so this is a bit of a worry for Cincinnati, isn't it? Yeah, so Jordan Williams obviously was their first-round pick, very highly considered, considered to be like a, a plug-and-play, ready-to-go pass protector, like someone who would keep Andy Dalton upright. Obviously, we talked about Cincinnati last uh, episode. I think the emphasis there was that you know Andy Dalton, if you put the pieces around him, can be an effective player, but this is one of the pieces that's gone. So this means that you, know, you have to move Cordy Glenn back out to left tackle, where he was okay last year, and he's been a solid left tackle in Buffalo before that. Uh, but he was obviously training a guard, having a change, and now you're having to basically change everything around again. And you're having to probably start another rookie instead at the guard position. So that's not obviously optimal by any uh, situation. So I think the biggest problem for them is like the OL 
is one of those positions that continuity is key. Mm-hmm. And you like these guys have already done camps together. It's before training camp, so it's not the worst it could be. But I think if you're losing a talented tackle of any situation, having a former left tackle like Cordy Glenn is probably on the upper scale of how bad it can get. But I think just yeah. for Cincinnati, because they're such a... Uh, it's kind of a thin team. They're such a team that relies so much on building around Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. Each hit perhaps would hit more than if they had a elite quarterback instead. But it's definitely a hit. People, the the camp uh, stories about um, Jonah Williams was that he was very good, but hopefully they can see him in 2020 instead. No, and of there's, a, there's a small chance that they made the playoffs maybe back for that. As we say, this continues the long tradition of uh, Cincinnati <laughs> first-round picks not being able to perform. Uh, I think... All they've had is was is John Ross the only one who's played? And he only played two games for five catches or something. Yeah, so I think it was uh, Billy Price last year. He played ten games, got injured. John Ross has obviously only played like a handful of games. Uh, I think one of their cornerbacks uh, that they got, uh, Jackson, he's been similar. Yeah. So yeah, they've had rotten luck with their first round picks, and this unfortunately seems to continue the trend. No, of course. Actually, I just had a look there. So Joe Mixon led the AFC with 1,168 yards. He's one of only three that broke 1,000 yards in the AFC. Uh, it was him, Derek Hendry, and Philip Lindsay. <laughs> Everyone was doing it by committee, I guess. Uh, I suppose even like Kareem Hunt was doing well, but then we caught him. So like, there's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff like that and a lot of injuries. Uh, next up, we've got crime and punishment. What are they up to? Probably felonies, but not in most states this week because... Uh, <laughs> Dallas tight end Rico Gathers has been suspended one game for substance abuse violation because he had marijuana in his possession in 2018. Uh, the LA Rams offensive lineman Aaron Neary has been suspended for the first four games uh, because, again, we believe this is uh, marijuana-related. And Jordan's defensive tackle David uh, Onyemata is suspended for one game for possession of uh, marijuana. So even though we're coming into the new CBA negotiations and this is, I think, top of a lot of the um, players' unions' issues of saying, well, this is legal in most places and pretty much everyone uses it for pain management in the NFL, what's going on? Literally all of our crime and punishment section this week is uh, people who were smoking a bit of weed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that uh, the NFL is probably going to offer as a concession, but everyone's pretty much ready to turn the corner turn the page on this and just say this is a bit stupid like similar to gambling within like a couple of years taking marijuana will just be like whatever yeah. uh, accepting the states that are stupid uh because they exist um i feel particularly bad for rico gathers just because he's obviously a time cop from the future uh, with a name like that <laughs> uh but uh, yeah, none of these players are kind of like top shelf players, so mm-hmm. it's and they're not really long suspensions. Um, so I don't think it will make any major impact. But yeah, in the context of the CBA, hopefully this is the last batch or so of these suspensions that we'll see um, once the season goes. There are rumours that the CBA, that the one that's expected to be done after this, uh, after next season, after 2020, may be pulled forward because the NFL and the NFLPA are getting on very well. But uh, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, basically, yeah. on that. But there's a small chance, I suppose, they might sort all this out before then. Move on to Controversy Corner. So we discussed in the last episode that Houston were chasing uh, Nick Casero to become, <laughs> to become their GM. So they decided to fire... Just to put this in context, is this seems to have been brushed over now, and everyone's going to go, oh, well, look, it happened. They fired their GM after the draft and after the free agency period to go after a different GM candidate 
who it turns out they're not allowed to go after whatsoever. So they got a lawsuit lodged against them and they've now had to cancel it and just not have a GM and have their head coach act as de facto GM. Like, Houston have made an almighty balls of this and I can't believe that more people aren't talking about it. I think someone famous mentioned that, like, if this had happened in, like, you know, the Jets or something, it would be covered for the entire summer about what a mistake they've made here. Yeah, because... You know, it's the, frankly, kind of boring Houston Texans. No well, one yeah, cares. The second team in Texas is, like, by far. It's like, like it, it is a bit of a situation. It is, I suppose, I suppose you wouldn't know. I suppose it, it is kind of evidence that they weren't tampering that hard. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Nick Casario had a no, basically, no-go uh, clause in his contract, basically saying that New England, we own you, mm. is basically what was in his contract. Bill Belichick, I assume, can just like has a right to like graze him, like ha- graze his sheep in his farm, in, in, yeah, in his farm or something. But like, no, it's 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 a bit of a ridiculous situation. Maybe Bill O'Brien, he's happier being hit the back of GM. That wasn't something he thought could happen, rather than having Brian Gain, who obviously he didn't rate because he's Bill O'Brien is known to be influential in the organization. But Bill O'Brien um, selected Gaines, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He selected Gain, but obviously he didn't think he was good enough. Mm. Um, so I think it's it's a weird situation. Uh, one piece of context is Casario's contract's out over after 2020, so maybe they'll be patient and wait it out with Bill O'Brien trying to become the Bill Belichick of the Texans. But uh, for now, it just looks a bit of like, as you say, a fuck up. Even if they are too boring for anyone to really care for yeah. too long. Like you got to imagine if it's 2020 and the Patriots are always good at finding value, be it old players they bring in or shipping out people at the right time. Surely if they've only got him for this year and the busy part of the year for, you know, a GM or a VP of player personnel is done, surely they should just be open to, here's a sixth round pick if you just send us over this guy who's already done his job for the year for you. Uh, can we please have him? Like, surely, because you can send picks in exchange for releasing people from these contracts, can't you? Yeah, but maybe perhaps similar to the, uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, they're like, if we have value, we hold it. And screw the rest of the league. If they value, if they think Nick Casario is part of a winning organization, then Bill Belichick is going to take that decision. It's not like it's not like the future is that important, considering that that organization obviously is uh, the, all the major stakeholders are a bit mm. long in the tooth for their respective careers. So uh, even though they continue to perform, of course, so mm. you know, win now is pretty much all that matters to them. No, of course. Uh, the NFL Rules Committee has come out and said that the reviewable pass interference. Uh, amendment that has gone through is only in place for 2019 for sure and they'll reassess after that to see how it goes so this is well it's immediately it's a response to what happened in the saints playoff game when uh they got absolutely boned by the refs let's be frank um in in that scenario so this is that uh both coaches will be able to challenge if they believe that there is a pass interference issue happening but also that uh there would be able to be automatic reviews within two minutes of pass interference, uh, both offensive and defensive, in the upcoming season. Uh, there's been a couple of vocal groups on both sides of this issue already saying it'll slow the game down and people saying that it'll make it more accurate and more enjoyable. But we all we know for sure now after this is that it's only in place for one year on a trial basis rather than here permanently. So do you think it's something that will be able to stick or do you think it's something that will go away? Well, I think, you know, how it actually performs will be what matters, but I think 
the uh, let's say how open and how much tolerance will be given for kind of early screw ups I think will be relatively low uh, Al Riveron the, the head of officiating uh, his demonstration of what could be turned over and what couldn't be turned over or what was likely to be turned mm. over apparently wasn't very clear in terms of how different those two cases would be mm. um, and I think you know most of us were hoping that this would be reserved for obvious cases that were missed similar yeah. to the New Orleans case that obviously inspired its implementation but of course in the NFL you know this is a highly pressurized environment they're gonna look for every every chance and every edge they can get and so obviously there's a chance it will be misused overused oh. and of course referees will be held to the standard I don't know if the referees it's not clear if the referee standard will be assume the play on the field was correct which I is think I think that is right what now. they were been told to do to assume it's true that is, con- like, uh, clear not, video not, evidence so it's like what is obvious evidence you know that gets the whole thing about like uh, mm. beyond uh, repute and things like it's uh, I, I personally will w- want to see it before I make a judgment on it but I think the officials and Al Riveron and the way it's been talked about right now doesn't mm. give it the best uh, opening say the best uh, no, of course. betting in which to, to find its feet Particularly so I think if, 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 if early on there's a lot of tippy tack ticky tackiness and stuff like that it could find itself uh, with the wrong story before I can really recover yeah no um, there's also in particular there's uh, a provision put into it for Hail Marys in particular to say that they have to be particularly egregious because obviously when you're when you're throwing a bomb half the length of the field and everyone has that much time to just get set you're going to have people pushing off and stuff so it has to be that it has a demonstrable impact on the result of the play I think it's the terminology being used but the problem obviously then is are you not better off to be bombing it from 45 yards out than trying to put <laughs> it in from 10, yard, 10 yards out if you've like, got 15-20 seconds left on the clock it's a problem when a rule forces you to write a rule that's really an unwritten rule it's yeah. like you have to make explicit unwritten rule to make your new rule work and it's kind of like it was an unwritten rule for a reason because logically it doesn't really Makes sense. It's not consistent, yeah. but and, uh, and it was it, required it, to make the game fun. And is it and relative like, to the team? Like, if we went back to the final year of Peyton Manning playing for the Broncos, for him, the equivalent of a hail mary throw would be a fifteen-yard pass, right? <laughs> so, does it scale with the player and with the team? Uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions here. Uh, I think. I think. I think. We're definitely going to see at least one game decided on this. Uh, oh yeah, of course. This year, I think it's just. Like, but if it was like the Saints game, we would be like, "That was a good thing." That mm-hmm. it's, I'm glad that that was found because it's obvious. But if it's a ticky tacky one, like mm-hmm. the Calvin Johnson catch, as the famous yeah. example of the catch rule, then things go to hell pretty quickly. No, of course. And uh, finally, in controversy corner, Tyreek Kill has been interviewed, uh, quote unquote, thoroughly by the NFL this week. Um, this follows the dropping of the charges by the DA's office and a number of retractions from some of the newspapers and stuff around it. It's still very unclear about what was happening. There does seem to be basically an incredibly unhealthy relationship between himself and his uh, long-term girlfriend, Crystal Espinosa, I think her name is. Um, but basically, the reports out of it are that they brought a lot of evidence to support Tyreek Hill's side of the story. What that means, we don't know, because realistically, at this point, it's silly season, and everyone who is tangentially related to the Chiefs as a reporter or an insider is just going to be making guesses, because there's no way, if there's eight people in a room, which are like NFL lawyer, Tyreek Hill's lawyer, Goodell's representative, Tyreek Hill representative from the Chiefs, like... 
there's no way someone's just leaking the information from that room as to what's going on unless they just hate their job. And as someone with so much free time, I'm sure you've heard literally all of the Tyreek Hill rumors. Oh my God, the takes are so hot all the way. Oh, it's crazy. Well, yeah. listen, you know, I can listen to pump-up music or I can listen to Tyreek Hill rumors yeah. uh, while I'm working out. Yeah. Depends on the work that I assume. No, of course. Um, but basically, the rumors that are swirling at the moment are essentially that not expecting a particularly long suspension uh at all from this uh the only outstanding issue directly to be addressed with the nfl is the uh audio tape that was released of him threatening the girlfriend um the stories again i don't put much stock into the stories that are coming out at the moment uh from the meetings uh is that the unedited version of the tape is a bit different from the edited version but the thing is can't really be edited that much he almost certainly said what he said on the tape so i, I presume there has to be something in here uh that's going to come from that but um beyond that everything else seems to be shut he's going to be returning to kansas city training camp uh and i think they're presumably expecting between a two and a four game suspension incoming for him uh yeah so that's where we are with that i'm sure we'll have more clarity on it in about two or three weeks it was the one thing that was interesting on this is that the nfl's approach was that they were going to wait until the end of the CPS investigation or uh, their case was closed but the CPS case would stay open for 12 to 18 months uh, because it involves things like ongoing uh, anger management therapy or couples therapy as well as ongoing visits to ensure the safety of the child so the NFL wanted to put this on the back burner it would appear for a year and uh, they decided no we're just going to try and push this through now and get it done instead so it's an interesting change in tactics um, but there's nothing you can really take from that other than it's just a bit strange versus how they normally deal with these things and in other news uh, Denver owner Pat Bolin uh, has died at 75 uh, very well loved in the area. Yeah, like uh, most of what we've heard recently has been about the kind of intersigning warfare happening as his health has deteriorated, uh, as the power brokers. Apparently, there's now a more stable succession plan in place, but he's generally considered to be one of the good ones, kind of just a good, solid owner. Obviously, the Broncos have had a lot of success during his tenure as owner, uh, both in the 90s and obviously later on with the Peyton Manning stuff. And, you know, the Broncos have been one of those organizations that. I don't know how many great teams they, like, that they've had between them, but they've always had solid teams. They've never really fallen off a cliff um, during his tenure. So I think he's considered to be one of the one of the good ones, basically. Mm. Uh, but uh, oh, With yeah. the exception of like uh, cheating the, the salary cap in the 90s. Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a classic Chiefs thing. It's like, oh yeah, gotta, gotta, <laughs> I didn't even know that, but a Chiefs fan, he knows. No, no, I just, I just wanted to double check to make sure he was the one that was, but yeah. No, he seems like seems like well-received outside of that stuff. Um, Look, if you're cheating the salary cap, you're paying your players more, I assume, so I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, um, he basically, I think he was like, he was getting, he got Elway to like accept less money officially on the thing and then was actually just like, giving him stock and money on the side so he could just circumvent the entire thing, claiming that it was because they were cash-strapped or something like that. But let's be honest, in the grand scheme of things, when we look at the stories you hear about the owners and all that kind of stuff, when this is the the height of the problem you have, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty good, you know? Uh, we'll move on and we'll start looking at the uh, AFC South in the upcoming season. So first up, we have the Colts. Uh, if we look at some of the changes that have happened, they've added uh, Justin Houston. <laughs> um, 
Ben Badagu, uh, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, Rocky Sin, Clayton Weathers. They lost Dontrell Inman, Ryan Grant, uh, Al Woods, Sean Williams, and Matt Slauson from the offensive line. This is um, it's an interesting one because the Colts are kind of coming into that almost the Bengals from seven years ago territory of the... When you look at the uh, roster they have now, this is a very good roster. It's not too many glaring holes in it anywhere. Andrew Luck is back healthy and was playing at an incredible level last year. Paris Campbell seems to be on every single website's list of oh sleepers for your fantasy football stuff when they're paired with the with the people that are already there i love the addition of justin houston to that defensive line they did well last year but then they crumbled when it came to playing the likes of the chiefs or some of the higher end teams they're better than they're better than the rest but are they better than the top are they actually contender level this year because i always feel they'll be there or thereabouts with andrew luck and this almost feels like they've put enough around that this could be a, a, like a, a going on a run kind of team. Yeah, I think I think you've got that exactly right, and I think you've got the concerns right as well. I think you look through this roster and you don't see any obvious weaknesses, but I think as you've diagnosed, you don't see that much blue chip talent as well. Mm. Andrew Luck obviously can carry the offense because he is that good. But if you look beyond that, the only other ones that you have, and the offensive line is very good. Obviously, they hit very well on the offensive line last year with yeah. Quinton Nelson. Uh, but their tackles are kind of okay, and Ryan Kelly's props are like an upper end uh, center. But like if you look at the receiver core, they've obviously added Devin Funches and Paris Campbell, both interesting players. Paris Campbell in the draft, Devin Funches in free agency, uh, but not ones that are like not ones that are expected to like be elite players. So that's really Ty Hilton. Is kind of, and T.Y. Hilton's kind of exactly kind of like, he's kind of, he's definitely a number one receiver, but he's not the number one receiver that dominates, basically. Mm. Like, he'll dominate in games, but he doesn't feel like the kind of player who will kind of truly dominate at the level of an Antonio Brown or a Julio Jones or something like that. Uh, perhaps closer to Antonio Brown in terms of style. And then the, the running backs is similar, like it's the center of Marlon Mack, Spencer Ware, Naeem Hines, these kind of players. I and mean, then you look at the defense, it's exactly the same thing. You see a couple of players that have that upside of being blue chip, like Malik Hooker and Darius Leonard. But the rest, if you're looking, they're still probably going to be throwing out Marcus Hunt there. They're probably going to throw out Jamal Sheard, like uh, cornerbacks like Pierre Desir. All solid players. All mm. and Some of the moves they re-signed that was very smart. But I think the question for this, like the team has succeeded uh, last year by getting those two rookies in who have that future of being elite pro all pro players but they've been scared really to spend the money in free agency to try and get those I, but I think when a good value has been available like Justin Houston they've done that so this is a smart team yeah. I think they're taking three steps ahead I think the CPA whenever it comes in will have a major kind of shake up effect on what is the optimum way to build your team I think this is a team that knows it has a good team willing to build solid and isn't you know and because Andrew Luck he's still young enough to build around for many years to come they don't feel the need to go out and do crazy stuff to get stuff done it's a solid team build on it and hope that you know your drafting and the new rookies can hopefully make an impact maybe not the same impact because that would be very difficult yeah. but make a solid impact in year one no as well. of course so where so have we got just, them going this year then how do you think they're gonna yeah. So I have them going 10-6, and six, winning the division, number four seed, but going out in the divisional round. I think, as you say, right now, 
Um, there's some teams in the FC that feel just more exciting, and I think they might get stomped by, well, not stomped, but beaten by one of those. But I think there would be a more consistent unit even than last year. Yeah. I think they could be even better, but I just think, yeah, they just need to add more true blue-chip players alongside the ones they already have. No, of course, I'm very similar. I have them going 11-5, and five, winning the division, taking the third seat, and going out in the divisional round. Like we said, I think we'll see growth. I think we'll see them be able to solidify, particularly if people like Rocky Sin sit in well. That's something yeah. they can set their, their 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 defensive backs around for the next three, four years on cheap deals and pick up where they need from there. But yeah, I just think probably another year of that. They're solid, but not maybe all the way there yet. Um, next up, we have the Jaguars. The Bortles' boss has finally broken down. They've given up. Nick QB Nick Foles is going to be taking over. They're paying him a lot of money for what has been, let's be honest, some good uh, playoff runs, but maybe not the world's most consistent player. They added <laughs> linebacker Josh Allen, Jake Ryan. Uh, they've added Jeff Swain, Chris Conley, and Josh Oliver. Um, as I mentioned, they lost Blake Bortles. Uh, Malik Jackson and Deshaun Gibson are gone, and Dante Moncrief and Carlos Hyder as well. Uh, also gone so obviously the main question around this team is they had an elite level defense they had a good offensive line they invested a lot of uh, draft capital in that running back position they got all the way to the championship game just a season back before but Bortles was terrible the team seemed to be brittle uh, emotionally in that once they started to lose everything started to fall apart for them is Changing the quarterback and bringing in Nick Foles is going to be enough to turn this around because a lot of the defensive talent is still there. They haven't lost a lot of players there, but there's question marks around the skill positions at wide receiver and tight end. There's question marks, to be honest, around that offensive line as well about whether or not it can hold up well enough. And there's question marks around things like their Leonard Fournette at the at, at the running back position. And like I said, about Nick Foles himself as to whether or not he's a someone who can go on a run or someone who can sustain a 19-game season. So do you think they've done enough to turn around the offense? I think they will be better. That's not hard, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, but I think the problem is it almost feels like the right move at the wrong time. It kind of feels like if you put Nick Foles in that team that Blake Bortles took all the way uh, deep into the playoffs... Um, I think they they would have been much better because obviously mm. I don't think Blake Bortles is very good at quarterbacking. It's pretty obvious, not accurate. That's a bit of a problem. But I think right now the slow kind of like drip drip of talent, as you say, on the offensive line in particular, um, they're kind of uh, they're, they're kind of relying on some interesting players to kind of get going, like Cam Robinson, uh, Andrew Norwell. There's definitely talent there, but they haven't really been able to do it consistently on the field, and then. Uh, you know, I think Nick Foles can do something, but as you say, the wide receiver thing. So this is a team that will probably want to run the ball, and that leads to probably the biggest question on 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 offense. Isn't even Nick Foles? I think it's Leonard Fournette, because this is a, a, a team. Tom Coughlin, the coach, they all want to do like hard nosed play, good defense, tough nosed offense. And Leonard Fournette, when he's been healthy and available, has been pretty good, but he has not really. Like when you look at when you dig into the statistics, his yards per carry hasn't been amazing, and he's obviously not someone who can catch the ball out of the backfield, which is what you kind of need from modern backs. So I kind of feel 
if they're going to make this Nick Foles thing work, they're going to have to go and return to what he's good at, which is the RPO, like the run-pass option. Mm -hmm. Basically, go into play action, do lots of play action, lots of, you know, uh, quarterback run type stuff. Um, But I'm not sure how much Leonard Fournette fits with that, and I don't think that's what they're going to start out with. I think they're going to try as much as they can, similar to kind of Pete Carroll, they're just going to stubbornly keep trying the Leonard Fournette thing until it's probably going to be too late for them to make a, like a rush if they actually do adjust around Nick Foles. So that's my biggest worry. Nick Foles, he's very system-dependent. I think the Eagles built a system that was tailored towards him, and I just don't see the Jags doing that. And if they don't, and they try to go the whole hard-nosed thing, I don't think the defense is quite as good as it was a couple of years ago to make up for the fact that their offense is going to stink, uh, or would stink in that case. Um, so it just feels like a team that's in a bit of identity crisis, they just made the Nick Foles move because they realized their mistake too late. And now the, the, the window of opportunity where that could have made a huge difference is over. Yeah. So I'm not very optimistic about the team in 2019, to be honest. Yeah, I've got it with you there. I think like Nick Foles being added to this team last year rather than extending Blake Bortles or a Nick Foles-level player being added into the team would have been much better than... like that. I think that was their chance build on what they had, whereas they've had a year of being in crisis and there hasn't been enough of a change to personnel management structures within it to kind of really give them a feeling of oh well this will be 100% different unless Nick Foles comes out and starts slinging it around and gives them an identity I think they're going to have a similar identity to last year and I think they already don't trust that team so I think they'll have problems with it yeah. Uh, if they let Nick Foles fling it around, it would be better for them. But oh, not, yeah. I don't think they're going to do it. They're not going to. They're going to try and play like Pete Carroll first, and it's not going to work for them. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be nuts. Uh, I've got them going six and ten. Yeah, I have going uh, pretty similar six and ten. <laughs> pretty similar. <Both> similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no six and ten. Uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah, like it just they're stuck in between. I like some of the pieces of that. I like Josh Allen at linebacker. I like a few of the pieces there. The fact that they are aware they need to start replacing these defensive pieces because they're missing. They're, they, they've, they've missed that window, I think, realistically. But uh, but they have pieces they can build around. It's just that this is a holding pattern paired with, you know, you know an incomplete group, essentially. Uh, next up, we'll go to the Texans. So they've had a lot of moving around. They definitely seem to have noticed that they were getting their quarterback killed, so they've tried to change the offensive line. They've added Titus Howard, Matt Khalil, and Max Schraping. Uh, they added in some defensive backs as well, Bradley Roby, Tashawn Gibson, Lonnie Johnson, uh, Brian Bobby Calhoun. I don't know Brian Bobby Calhoun. He's got on the list here. And, uh, oh, the Bobby Calhoun's on the way. You know? uh, and then they added uh, Darren Fells and Cahill Waring. Uh, they lost a lot of defensive backs, so uh, Darren Matthew, Kevin Johnson, Kareem Jackson, Kayvon Webster. Uh, they also lost to Marius Thomas, Chris Lamb and uh, Chris Covington as well so obviously they're hoping to rebuild this line, they understand that they do have a very valuable piece in uh, Sean uh, Watson at quarterback they have good weapons on the outside, although we saw last year that they're not really packing the depth that you'd want there uh, and they've lost some more of that in Demarius Thomas so let's be honest, I'm not sure what he's doing on his kind of fifth Achilles or whatever it is that he's on at this point or his 12th knee um, their defensive backfield was not good last year their defensive front seven has when we, 
kind of what we were talking about beforehand with the cult. They have the blue chip players and some of them are performing. But again, it's that thing of we constantly ask that question of we don't really see them all working together at a high level at all times. There's always injury concerns or there's scheme issues or there's things like that. So the other question is on this defense, not only is this a new defensive backfield, but we finally see the what clowny and merciless kind of three-headed hydra attack thing that we've kind of heard hyped up for years and years and years and just haven't really gotten around to um it's a team that has potential i think but i'm not sure if they've done enough to to to, to push it over the top and possibly if you view the if you view the the defensive backfield movement as a wash or a loss you can see them regressing i think symbolic of the offseason for them um, with what happened in the draft, and perhaps this is the reason why uh, Brian Gain is the ex-GM of the Houston Texans, where they were basically perfectly positioned to pick up Andre Dillard, uh, one of the top-rated tackles in the draft, like a, a first-rounder. Uh, the Eagles traded one position ahead of them, drafted him as their third tackle, because, you know, fuck you, basically. Why not? Yeah. And, you know, then they immediately drafted Titus Howard, as the first round tackle and he was someone who was considered like a mid second late second type talent so i think they pretty much went for need not uh, best player available yeah. i think they bring in matt khalil who is perhaps better than Santrell henderson and <laughs> <laughs> julian davenport uh, but that is not a very high barrier so like they're probably gonna have to throw titus howard and matt khalil in as tackles and then maybe try those guys but like yeah like i think with a decent offensive line, you could probably just run an offense between Deshaun Watson, uh, Will Fuller, and DeAndre Hopkins if, if Fuller stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a concern that the rest of the offense is basically nothing. You're, you're wheeling out Lamar Miller, the oatmeal of running backs for another <laughs> season. Your, your tight ends, well, Darren Fells is now your top tight end. And your offensive line, as we say, is a bit questionable. So I think the offense will still be productive enough to not bore us to sleep because Deshaun Watson is just that exciting. He's similar to Russell Wilson, even when he has those terrible offensive lines. Mm. They just do magic bullshit all the time. Um, so then the question is, is the defense good enough to bring them from being a 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight type team into, you know, playoff respectability? And as you say, they've kind of underperformed relative to the names there. Um, but I think, yeah, the big thing is, is this reformatted secondary going to be better than what they replaced? I look at the names that they brought in, and like the only other player they really had left was like Jonathan Joseph. Um, mm. And I just go, Bradley Roby, he was okay in Denver. Deshaun Gibson, solid. Lonnie Johnson, all right. Brian Body Calhoun, he made some plays for Cleveland. But like compared to who they lost, like Tyron Matthew, Kevin Johnson, Kareem Jackson, yeah. off a career year, you're like, I think that's worse. And it wasn't really doing that well to start with, mm-hmm. and I don't think the I don't think the linebackers are that much better. So I just think this is another team that they'll let it, they'll let too many sacks in, and they'll let too many big plays from opposing quarterbacks. And ultimately, in the NFL, that's pretty much the worst mix you can have. Yeah, the talent everywhere else is so good, they'll still win enough games to be probably relevant mm-hmm. and around in the AFC South. But uh, personally, it seems like a team ready for regression, in my opinion. No, um, although unless Deshaun Watson continues to just play out of his mind. So what do you got them going? I'm doing seven and nine, you know, whatever. Fair enough. <laughs> Basically. I, but I reckon they'll win a few more uh, games. I think ten and six get them into a, the fifth seed for a wild card. Um, I think that I think they're tied uh, record-wise with the with the sixth seed as well. But basically, they come out on top because of one of the tiebreakers. Um, 
Yeah, I think they also have a slightly nicer slate of games this year as well, so that's why I've got them doing a little bit better. But uh, but yeah, not really. I think exciting but not really challengers is what we're thinking uh, with them. Finally, up in the AFC side, we have the Titans, or as uh, fans of the around the NFL podcast would call them, the uh, Titans. I suppose uh, they've added Adam Huntries and AJ Brown as wide receivers. They also added in Cam Wake, Jeffrey Simmons, Brent Urban, who sounds like a country singer, uh, Roger Saffold, and Ryan Tannehill. Finally, Ryan Tannehill is going to have a breakout year, uh, except that he's the backup. Uh, they lost Josh Klein, Quinton Spain, Jonathan Cyprian, Derek Morgan, and Benny Logan. The question mark is probably the same as the question mark was last year and possibly the question mark was the year beforehand. It's Is Mariota actually a franchise quarterback or is he someone who's just going to hold them back? He's solid but not particularly exciting, makes mistakes, seems kind of like the young you know, go-getter to become the next Dalton scale quarterback nearly um, their defense needs improvement it had some strong moments their running game is interesting because they had a couple of games where that worked really well for them and then other games where it just disappeared entirely so the idea of what they're going to look like on offense is interesting because they need to look at the passing games they need to test Mariota to see what they have because they need to make a decision as a franchise about what they're going to do with him and this is the year to make that decision but equally like that didn't seem to be what they wanted to do over the last year or two in this organization so i don't know what they're going to look like the only thing that i feel is that almost as always they're going to look incredibly boring to me and i'm not going to enjoy watching their games and i'm going to actively try and avoid it if at all possible because you'll notice that they're not a team we end up talking a huge amount about in the podcast because they're never good enough to be in the top and they're never terrible enough to be in the bottom and then they're just there's always a couple of neutral games, so we always just try to not talk about them because they bore the living shit out of all of us. So, like, what is this team trying to do? I don't see anything that's changed that makes me go, yes. And I don't see anything that's lost that makes me go, oh, this is going to be the worst team in the world. I just see them being bleh. Yeah, they, they feel like Texans Jr. Like, it's kind of like, oh, you're basically the same idea, but with a worse quarterback. Uh, just, like, solid and everything like that. Like, I look at the moves they made. I don't hate them. Like, Adam Humphreys, mm. AJ Brown, these are solid players who should make a quarterback look better like Cam Wake's a solid uh, pickup and Roger Saffold, these are both veterans who should be able to contribute straight away and the players they lost are mostly um, either injury prone or, or past their best uh, and yeah I think the big question is Mariota, is he any good um, like and personally I am tired of giving Mariota chances not just because his play has been incredibly underwhelming except when they actually let him go free and run but when they ever do, whenever they do that, he gets injured. So it's just very annoying. And now they have Ryan Tannehill, the basically an even more boring version of Marcus Mariota, who can't run, and that's gonna he's gonna be playing a couple of games almost certainly. And you're like, I don't want to watch this team. I don't think it's anything very interesting. And I think they're a team that yeah, like when I look at the players they have, they could get into the playoffs, sneak in once again, but I don't want them to. I think in this case, our our projections maybe reflect what we want to happen negative in terms of them not really doing that well because we don't think this is a team that when they get into the playoffs are a genuine contender they don't have that upside um i suppose the only thing the only thing i'm really excited for is that uh you know delaney walker derrick henry these are places who perhaps could ignite the offense but you know i'll uh, in this case similar to the uh, cba i'll believe it when i see it i just 
yeah, I, I don't have faith in this team. And even if they do well, I don't think they'll do it in a way that'll be interesting or NFL Super Bowl ready. Uh, like so, it'll just be wow. You got to the divisional round, amazing. That's their upside, and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, so I'm just I was just having a look over um, Mariota's stats throughout the years. Like this is ridiculously poor. Like yeah, it was awful last year. And obviously, you have to account for the injuries. But even on a per game basis, it's bad. But no, but like literally, there's only one year where he doesn't have a sub two to one touchdown to interception ratio. In one of the years, he has more interceptions than touchdowns. Uh, he's never broken three thousand five hundred yards. Like he's never thrown for more than twenty six touchdowns in a season this is it's abysmal like yeah. his his career stats in four years are 12,000 so he's averaging 3,000 yards a season 69 touchdowns so he's averaging what 17 touchdowns yeah something along those lines uh inter- like a third of a Mahomes basically yeah like <laughs> interceptions 42 so he's averaging just shy of 11 interceptions like this is brutal like you can't look at this guy and think that he's a franchise player you can't build your team around him like he's he's an actual liability so I don't know why if I was a franchise I wouldn't even be giving him this last year I'd just be I I think this team would be a more exciting team with Nick Foles I think Nick Foles would fit into this team better than he does into the Jags to like especially you give him Adam Humphreys AJ Brown you give him a bit of excitement like that but yeah like I have this team going, I think four and twelve. I think they're brutal. Like I five and eleven. I I like I and I and like as I said, I would be trying to do better, but I don't want to do better. It's just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough. I just like I know you hear a lot of things, but like Titans fans, prove us wrong. Please do something. Please surprise us. But like, yeah, I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing where. Where the excitement comes from, where the where the spark comes from here, like maybe <laughs> the Titans do not spark joy. No, they do not. <laughs> Mary Kondo style. Jesus, I haven't heard that in a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So as well as on that lovely note, uh, the AFC South for the most part does not spark joy. So we'll move over to the AFC West. Uh, so interesting fact: AFC West, all the teams have a career winning percentage over five hundred. I think we're the only franchise that has that fun times because mm-hmm. uh, we beat up on each other and then we do okay outside of the division um but yeah it's uh it's weird uh first up we have the broncos who have decided to continue the ongoing excitement of what's going to happen at quarterback uh they've brought in joe flacco and drew lock uh they've also had a Juwan james noah fant uh, Vic Fangio is now going to be taking over as head coach to see how that goes. And uh, they've added Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan at defensive back. They've given up on the Case Keenan experience, uh, which, to be fair, makes perfect sense. Uh, they also lost Bradley Roby, uh, Tremaine Brock, Shaq Barrett, Brandon Marshall, uh, Matt Paradis, Billy Turner, and Jared Valdir off the offensive line. So this is an interesting one because... They have not had good quarterback play, but they also did not have particularly good offensive line play. So you can look at them getting rid of three offensive linemen as a positive, but I'm not sure if they've replaced them <laughs> really with much to, to provide more. Joe Flacco is an old quarterback 
who needs a bit of time in the pocket. I like the addition of Noah Fant because he does like his tight end play, as we saw in his years with Baltimore. Uh, he does seem to still have a hose when he gets a chance to use it, but I'm not sure if this team is set up to provide him with it. But they do still have a lovely running game with Philip Lindsay, and uh, I think they've got two or three other kind of decent running backs in that stable. So do we think... That Joe Flacco coming in is going to be a stable of force. He's experienced. He knows how to deal with maybe subpar offenses. Let's be honest, looking at a couple of the Ravens teams that he's played on over the years. Do we think that he's experienced enough to be able to marshal maybe a subpar line, maybe not the best wide receiver options that they used to have? I think Emmanuel Sanders is now their, their number one option, is he? Or do yeah, they... and he's coming off a major injury. Yeah, so. like, so... Do we think that he's going to be able to pull something out here? Because like, they did have top-end defensive talent still last year. They've lost a few pieces, but there's still you know, that that pass rush of Chubb and, uh, and um, Miller. Von Miller sitting there. Like, there is still quality in that defensive backfield. Uh, they've added a few new pieces in there, but like, there is still quality pieces there. Like, do we think... Because to an extent, if you squint a little bit and you're colorblind, you could kind of say this is this is one of those kind of winning Ravens teams from the early 2000s of subpar offense, Joe Flacco under center, couple of nice pieces, decent running game, and a strong collection of defensive blue chip players, but maybe not the most consistent roster. Yeah, like I think they're they're just a they're a solid team, uh, but they feel like they're treading water. I think John Elway needs his annual sacrifice to the QB gods and Joe mm. Flacco is there and Drew Locke's there if he needs him in the background as well and you kind of go through the roster and you're kind of like this roster has fallen a fair way off when they won the Super Bowl albeit with uh, Peyton Manning's corpse and you're like yeah. Joe Flacco I think he's still got juice in the tank I think he can still be an effective quarterback yeah. but I look at the surrounding talent I'm going is this going to be enough to make this a, a great offense or a good offense and obviously you're competing against two of the most exciting offenses in the league in the AFC West and you kind of go not really like I like Philip Lindsay but he has a hand injury that might affect him early on and their other running backs are, are solid but they haven't shown like blue chip talent yeah. Emmanuel Sanders obviously the injury question and the rest is a bunch of second year players like Deshaun Hamilton and Kirkland Sutton and then Noah Fant yeah he could definitely make a, an impact year one uh, but you know rookie tight ends have, tr- have traditionally not done well and as you say the offensive line Garrett Bowles, he was a first-round pick, but is mostly known for being Seahawks' level of penalty flag uh, magnet. And, you know, Jawan James to bring him in. Solid right tackle, but he's getting played left tackle money. And you go through the and then you go through the defense, it's the same thing. You, you see the Von Miller, and you see the kind of players, but you look at the secondary, and you're like, Chris Harris Jr. is still there, that's about it. Um, in the front three, in, like in their defensive line, you're not really seeing anything. And... You know, at Derek Wolf, maybe that's about it. And you're just kind of going through, and you're like, there's lots of okay players here. Joe Flacco is still a decent quarterback, and he was pretty good when he's healthy. But will he stay healthy behind that offensive line? Will he do well with just Emmanuel Sanders and no fan to throw to? I wouldn't bet on it personally. I think they're a solid team. As I said, the Denver Rockets just tend to be solid, so they'll probably win enough games regardless. But they don't feel like they're on the cusp of turning into a Super Bowl contender. It just feels like a slightly better treading of water than having Case Keenum, uh, but the results probably won't be that much better, to be honest. Yeah, like, I kind of look at what I've got them going, and I kind of think that they should win one or two more, 
but then I think it's probably a reflection of I think they have quite a tough schedule because obviously the AFC West is quite a tough group to start with uh, for them to be playing in and then I think they uh, don't have the nicest uh, road schedule <laughs> either this year um, so I've got them going 5-11 and 11, uh, which like I said I think there's probably upside to them getting to 7 or 8 wins but I think like that's probably about the height of it I can't see this team lighting it on fire and winning 12 games yeah, seven and nine here, pretty much the same. Like, I think anywhere between nine to five wins would be perfectly reasonable for them. No, of course. Uh, next up, we have the Chargers, who uh, tied the Chiefs for their uh, divisional record last year, I believe, but still got into the wild cards, defeated a Ravens team, and then got uh, absolutely plomped out by the uh, Patriots whenever they decided to play nine defensive backs for an entire game against them for some unfathomable reason. Uh, we have added... Hunter Henry is back from injury, which is a huge addition. He was expected to be a monster part of that offense last year, but he wasn't there. Uh, they've also added Thomas Davis and Sear Adderley to the linebacker safety core and uh, Jeffrey Tillery to the defensive tackle position. They lost Darius Fillion and Corey Legit, uh, Jason Verrett, Jaheel Adai, and uh, wide receiver Tyrell Williams, who, if I remember correctly, got paid crazy money, didn't he? Yeah, well, he's just uh, over there to the right. Yeah, in the uh, in the rudder zone. <laughs> in the rudder zone. Um, yeah, so like this is an interesting one. There's not a huge amount happening in this off season here. Obviously, Hunter Henry coming back is a big one, uh, but this is a roster. The 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 Los Angeles Chargers and previously the San Diego Chargers have, for a number of years, been the off-season champions uh, of the NFL. Uh, they are the off-season Super Bowl winners every single year because they have an excellent roster on paper. They look to be well-coached. They have Philip Rivers, who is a good quarterback. They have good wide receivers. They have a good tight end, who is now going to be back from injury. They have a poor offensive line to be honest uh, that could have done with a bit of work that's an area that I think they should have probably focused on but then you look at their defense they've got good pass rushing tandems they've got a decent line there they've got good defensive backs knocking around although they've lost one or two like this is a team that looks like it's ready to contend for a Super Bowl this looks like a team that should be going on that run to kind of give Philip Rivers a ring at the end of it all uh, and I think it's a very good team, but I don't think they're quite there. I think there's still some pieces missing. I think they needed some more help on the offensive line. I think they probably need more depth on the defensive line because we saw injuries there were a problem last year and could probably continue to be this year uh, if things don't break right. And we know what the Chargers' injury history is like. Like They complain every year that it's the injuries that are causing it, but every single year... We look at them as massive contenders in the offseason. I look at them now and I think massive contender. And then it just doesn't seem to materialize. Yeah. It felt like a team that should be making big moves. Like, you got Philip Rivers. He's not going to be around forever. Although he has a lot of children to feed. Sure, and you're kind of like... Does. And he does play a kind of robust style. So you're kind of like, this is the time to do stuff. This is the time to make a splash and ensure that you can take the next step. Instead, what they've had is a small leakage of role players like who've been decent for them, like Corey Lejet, Jason Verrett was good when he was healthy, Tyrell Williams was a great, like one of the best WR trees mm. in the league. But you're kind of like your biggest free agent signing was Thomas Davis. Like he's a bit long in the tooth, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. 
the linebackers cores are you know probably need some leadership but uh, it's a little bit and like Nasser Adderley and Jeffrey Tillery are both players uh, I think in the dry pre-draft process uh, I was I was thought well, could be pretty good but it just feels like yeah a bit of a stagnant off season and you're kind of worried about like kind of second album syndrome almost like they finally put it together and overcome their charging to actually have a good season uh, they still managed to charger enough to end up you know having the same mm-hmm. record as the division leader in ending up with the, the wild card seed but I think with the Chiefs in the same division but also just that sense of no momentum forward I'm not sure where the growth is coming from except for Hunter Henry if Hunter Henry comes back and is an elite tight end that does make a huge difference but on the other hand they're just there's other question marks like mm-hmm. is Mike Williams ready to step up to being a true like wide receiver too like mm-hmm. to carry the additional load that now Tyrell Williams gone we'll see and on the defense, the defensive line to bring up Jeffrey Tillery. Can he can he immediately replace their kind of depth players there, uh, along with Brandon Meebane, uh, defensive <coughs> tackle? So it's just a, it's a solid team. There's nothing really to hate, but I just I don't like how inactive they were, considering the type of situation they're in. This isn't the team with a rookie quarter. No, this isn't the team with like a a young like a 30 year old quarterback where they're building and they have to build around his contract. This is a team with a late 30s quarterback. Time to win now. Who knows how long Philip Rivers is going to be continue to be a league quarterback, and they just don't seem to get that sense of uh, you know uh, sense of momentum for them. No, just of course. Although, slow. although in big news, um, they have sold out all their um, season tickets. So you know, all two hundred tickets have been sold. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, very impressive. Um, how do you have their season going? Nine and seven, missing out in the playoffs on a to the two AFC uh, North teams, I believe. Fair enough. I have them going 10-6, and six, getting the number 6 seed, but uh, going out in the wild card round. Uh, interestingly, given this, they were talking about them earlier, uh, I have them going out to the Colts, which feels kind of roughly where I think both those teams are, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think a decent season from them, but again, just lacking that little bit of something to push them over the edge now at the tail end. Uh, next up, we have the Chiefs. Uh, so... They've added Frank Clark, Emmanuel Ogba, Alex Okafor and Darren Lee on the defensive line. Defensive backs, Tyrion Matthew, Juan Thornhill, Brashad Breland and Dante Jackson. And they also then added uh, Michael Hardiman, the wide receiver, and Carlos Hyde at running back. Uh, the other addition, obviously, to note is that Speed Spagnuolo is there because the outs include, thank God, Bob Sutton is gone. <laughs> he is no longer there. Uh, with him, unfortunately, went a couple of... Uh, our favourite players. So Justin Houston is now gone. As we mentioned earlier, he's now playing for the Colts. Uh, D Ford is gone. He was traded to the 49ers. Uh, Steven Nelson and Eric Reed are gone from the defensive backs. And uh, Mitch Morris and Chris Connolly are also gone. Uh, with obviously the question mark sitting over Tyreek Hill, we're expecting kind of a like two to four game suspension for him possibly. So yeah, this is... Um it's an interesting one because obviously there's a lot of pressure on the Chiefs at this point to uh, perform highly. Patrick Mahomes was excellent last year. They've got a lot of offensive weapons. Andy Reid works well with that scheme. The The offense was fantastic last year. The defense was terrible. Uh, it was the 31st, I think, defense in the league behind, only ahead of the Raiders, if I remember correctly. Um, and that's where a lot of this, often, uh, this offseason has been focused. It's getting rid of Bob Sutton, bringing in Steve Spagnuolo, uh, adding in players like Frank Clark, the swap because they're changing to a 4-3 from a 3-4, so changing a couple of the players that they use in there. Uh, so it'll be 
big questions that I'd have sitting for them right now are how is that going to impact on the field because obviously particularly when you are swapping scheme it can take a while for stuff to bed in uh, although there's a lot of new players coming in and that in itself can cause an issue Steve Spagnuolo has also got a history of being quite uh, erratic as to whether his defences are good or terrible depending on what season it is um, my only hope as a Chiefs fan is obviously it's hard to get worse than 31st in the league but we'll see uh, there is one further spot to drop um, but the Chiefs have a tough schedule in front of them this year there's a lot of pressure and yeah it's it's interesting i like i think there's question marks around the running back position because they're happy with uh with with the depth as it is but you've added in the likes of carlos hyde who's kind of going to be aggravating for more carries they've drafted someone i think in the fifth or sixth round as well um this is a team's going to live or die by its offense obviously if anything was to happen to the quarterback they'd be done but that's true of most teams the question mark is can this defense be middle of the road because if this defense could be middle of the road or even just the 22nd um best defense in the league we'd be pretty happy at that point they were people say it's a play away from the super bowl i don't really look at it that way because realistically if they had been able to do anything the first half of that game it wouldn't have required one play in the uh in, in, uh, in overtime D-board's not on your team anymore you can throw him under the bus i know but it's still like, no, it's, it's still still shitty for him but like it but it is a thing of like <laughs> i can't because i can't i can't i can't say it to saints fans and not take it myself as well of like yes it was a play but it you're the ones who had it sitting with a play hanging it in the balance when you were able to perform so much better in the second half of that game than you were in the first half that I do think there's more they could have been doing. I think firing Bob Sutton is going to fix a lot of those issues because he just refused to react to anything. There's some great stuff online, I think I mentioned beforehand, where you can see where he refuses to sub personnel whatsoever so people could be running it down the middle and they would just be doing the Chargers thing of keeping eight defensive backs on the field for no particular reason. But yeah... Uh, there's also a question surrounding the uh, Chris Jones contract. Uh, so he's currently holding out of camp, looking to get a long-term deal penned. They're looking to pen a deal with him, but want him to come into camp for it. I'm kind of on his side on this because he's not making a lot of money because he's a later round pick. And if he gets injured, he's screwed. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. I'm very intrigued to see the defense. Uh, I think the defensive backfield is going to look very different. Um, I just yeah I'm 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 genuinely quite pumped uh, as you can probably guess from the way I've been talking and rambling. <laughs> like I hate the uh, for me this team its curse or its opportunity are both the same thing which is regression to the mean as, mm. as Reddit loves talking about about the moment. Can Pat Mahomes do that again or something similar like thirty plus touchdowns would be would be perfectly acceptable I imagine. <laughs> um, what just 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 one Mariota career. Uh, like personally, I'm a, I'm all aboard the Pat Mahomes hype train. I think he can do something similar, like an All Pro type season again. And if he does that, then you know the fact David Williams is your RB one doesn't really matter. Obviously, I think the Tyreek Hill situation, if he plays most of the season, makes a huge difference. Yeah. But hey, if he's out for two games, you get the you get the hype over Michael Me- Me- Hardiman for a mm. while. So uh, maybe he can show some sparks at the time. But I think the as you say, the big thing is can the defense revert to the middle and you know by the very nature of regression to the mean i would expect that the defenses are more random and that they should move towards being a solid unit i think you know maybe the overall talent level is a little bit lower but i think um 
the, the amount of depth and the amount of decent players, the amount of water carriers mm. has increased. And I think that's what the defense was missing last year. They yeah. had good players and they still have a handful. But, they still have a few good players as well. But that was the thing. Like, we, we, solid, we led the lead in sacks, yet we had the 31st ranked defense, which kind of says a lot about the blue chip talent was performing, but the actual overall scheme and the rest yeah. of the players just weren't being able to... Like, If you can force them to hold the ball for so long that you can get that many sacks, if you can get that level of pressure, yet somehow you have the worst conversion rate on third downs and you have, I think, the smallest number of third downs because normally they just need two downs to get it. Like, it's uh, it's not a very good situation overall. And I think the, the, the specific defensive uh, people that you picked up, like Frank Clark, great for 4 three, one of the best 4 three defensive ends. Mm. Tyra Matthew adds a bit of spice to that secondary, which I think the, the cornerbacks could probably still need but could be yeah. uh, better at the moment. Uh, and I think, you know, Brashad Breland... For that cornerback group, he could end up being like the steal of this free agency crop mm. in terms of like being a just if you get a you know top fifteen cornerback in Brashad Breland, that will solve a lot of problems for you. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, like you know, personally, Pat Mahomes makes all of that irrelevant. We've already seen that for one season. Um, so as long as Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes until uh, further notice, the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender and must be feared. So and what do you what, what do you got them going? 12 and 4 and losing the Super Bowl. Ah, sorry, Connor. <laughs> you monster. I have been going 13 and 3, also number one seed, and winning the Super Bowl. It's, what a surprise! It's our I time. It's our time, boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I also noticed I said Eric Reed, I had Eric Berry uh, from the lost defensive back section. He's actually an interesting one. would be very intrigued to see what happens is no one's picked him up. Um, and. As you can see, it's obviously a question about that injury because he refused to get the surgery on it. Uh, yeah. He might actually be done. It's 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 interesting. Uh, although I imagine it could be a spot where, come preseason game three, someone's sa- safety goes down and he'll take a decent chunk of a payday to just hop in for kind of spot coverage and 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 a bit of leadership for them. Uh, On to the cream of the crop in the AFC West, uh, the Raiders. Um, they've added Antonio Brown, Josh Jacobs, Tyrell Williams, and JJ Nelson, uh, Clellan Farrell, LaMarcus Joyner, uh, Burfish, Jonathan Abrams, uh, Trent Brown, uh, Richie Incognito. God, some of these names. Uh, they lost uh, Kalichi Assemble, John Felicanio. How does that feel? Feliciano, I imagine. Uh Actually, you know, one thing we didn't mention about the Broncos uh, that I do approve of is the Italian name, uh, the Italian mafia kind of coming in on the uh, the coaching staff. It's all, it's a Scangarello, Vangio. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, they also lost Donald Penn, Jared Cook, Jordy Nelson, Lee Smith, and Marshawn Lynch. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one. So... Obviously, at the tail end of the season, they were claiming everything is fine between Derek Carr and Gruden, and there's no issues there. Then there was all the rumors about them going to go up and select a quarterback in the first round instead, and Derek Carr was tweeting about it, uh, which is kind of uncharacteristic for him, um, but was interesting. But they've, they've, they've brought in a lot of weapons here. So they've got Antonio Brown, Josh Jacobs, Terrell Williams, JJ Nelson. Um, you can kind of see with some of that how when they're dropping Jordy Nelson, you're like, man, maybe we should do speed instead of slowness. That might be a, that might be a strong move. Only the... 
if only their late Al Davis was still there, he would have told them that right away. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, they they saw some of the holes in the defense and tried to fill them. Colin, like Colin Farrell is an interesting one because I, at the time I thought he was a reach, but I also accept that I don't know a huge amount about. Uh, College football. I know that everyone was surprised. Everyone kind of said he'd be around in the, the late teens or the early 20s at least, if not later on, maybe into the second round. They're searching for a pass rusher. There's that hilarious quote from Gruden about after trading Khalil Mack, oh, it's really hard to get a pass rusher in the NFL. You have one. Um, so the question is, can this defense get it together and kind of make them realize that they... Like, or forget that they kind of traded away what was a defensive player of the year candidate last year. Um, they've added a couple of offensive line pieces there and Trent Brown and Richie Incognito, which somewhat worry me. Um, but obviously they've got Josh Jacobs. They're hoping to build on that running game. They've got so many weapons now on offense. It's interesting because I'll be honest, Derek Carr post-injury is not someone who immediately makes me think of launching deep balls or kind of a lot of a lot of what you kind of think you'd be going for when you're adding you know Antonio Brown Tyrell Williams like a speedy back like Josh Jacobs and stuff like that like is this again Gruden because he's got 10 years to build his team building his team and kind of going well I can get my quarterback later on I want to build my pieces now or do we think that he has an idea of molding Derek Carr into a quarterback that will fit this system yeah to peer into the mind of John Gruden is to spider to Wagonana just to peer in the mind of the seven it doesn't it doesn't make any sense like John Gruden is you know talking about his like late 90s early 2000s heart knows football let's get back to like Trent Dilfer winning Super Bowls kind of situation mm. and yet who does he sign Antonio Brown one of the most diva type players in recent years he gets in Trent Brown a player known for having motivational issues <laughs> um, and basically only the magic of Bill Belichick uh, and Skernetia basically turned him into an effective left tackle. Oh, and on top of which, like, they're paying him left tackle money and they're going to play him at right tackle. Yeah, exactly. And, and like Fondes Perfect and Richie Incognito probably fit more that early 2000s just kill people type of situation, but they're also way past their best and don't fit with the idea of speed. Like Josh Jacobs, he's apparently like a good like uh, all-round back, but he's slow. He's slow for a running back. He isn't explosive. This is not Saquon Barkley we're talking about here. And you'd worry that you know Alabama relatively slow for their you know for their size. Are we looking at another Trent Richardson here? Mm. Probably not that bad. But I, it's the Raiders, so it could definitely happen. <laughs> and then Tyrell Williams and JJ Nelson both getting a little bit overpaid to be fast. Yeah, and yeah it doesn't really make fast sense with Derek Carr, as you say. Mm. And then the defense: Clell- Ferrell, Joiner, Abram. All solid players, all players who got either like either overpaid or overdrafted, and it just kind of seems like John Gruden. I do it my way. Clellan Farrell, number four pick, that makes sense. John and Abram, like a second rounder, nah, first round, just take him there. Josh Jacobs, I need a running back. I'll, I'll take like screw Marshawn Lynch, um, and you're just like, I I don't know what this team is. I've given up on it, but. My main takeaway is that John Gruden is not a good NFL coach anymore. No. I don't think he, I don't think he's very good at coaching up talent, and I don't think he's very good at getting along with players. And I think in regards to Derek Carr, he's going to be there again, being okay, maybe, maybe worse. And him and John Gruden 
will snipe at each other from the sidelines for another season. It, I don't think I think Derek Carr is too polite to turn into outright warfare, mm. but I don't think uh, I don't think anything that's happened in the offseason makes me believe um, that they have a you know a happy relationship. No. Um, you know, even some of the stuff that Derek Carr has done on Twitter has been a little bit cheeky for a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Um, so it's the Raiders. I don't really have much faith in them. So four and twelve for me, it is. They could win more because the talent's there, but they're not making the playoffs. That's for sure. No. I got to go five and eleven, winning one more than uh, than you have. Uh, I will say this: I'm sure as shit looking forward to Hard Knocks. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that will be. There will be so many knocks, oh. and they will be many, very, very hard. Uh, <laughs> as I said, like too hard. They'll probably break the. Uh, they're almost certainly going to get fines for like training camp, uh, not following safety procedures. Oh, hundred percent. Like, like if they're training in a facility where like part of it has to be closed because there's literally shit flowing through it, I don't think we're at risk of them like kind of maintaining health and safety standards throughout the rest of their programming. It's. Uh, Although I do just love the idea of like Richie Incognito hearing that there's going to be television cameras there filming him, and he just starts to sweat and decides to retire again. It's like, oh, I oh, think oh, that's no. why they didn't, they didn't draft any rookies this year because uh, they signed Richie Incognito. The <laughs> <time>. <laughs> Jesus. No, Christ. we have to go for the veteran pool. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I think they're just going to be a hot mess. I think Jared Carr is out of there after this year, and not maybe necessarily his fault that he is. Um, I think Derek Carr could still be a decent quarterback, but I think he's just been handed a situation where it's unlikely that he will be able to return to kind of what he was doing when he had that uh, kind of Pro Bowl type level season. Yeah. I just think he's just someone who's obviously the injury I think probably has affected his play a little bit, but I think it's a knock in confidence that's hurt him even more. And John Gruden isn't really about building confidence, except in himself. All the confidence in John Gruden. That's all you ever need. <laughs> Believe in the leader. That's about all I get from the John Gruden experience so far. It's just hard-nosed team with loads of divas. Doesn't really seem like a great mix to me. Divas no, and bullies. It's very interesting, yeah, because I think um, basically after this year, Carr's contract is completely cuttable. He's like $5 million in dead cap if they cut him next year. So I think I could well see them shifting him on and... To be honest, it would be it would be it'd be so rare this kind of thing happens. But like, I could well see him being like, you know, taken on by the Chargers and being the guy who goes in there after Philip Rivers or something like that. Give him a year underneath a vet and then just unleash him as the succession plan or something like that. You know, but uh, I don't know. Let's we'll see. Maybe he replaces Mariota. <laughs> oh yeah, God, that, that would be a very Titans move. It would, yeah, uh, be great. But. Um, yeah, because that ran on a little bit long. We probably won't do the listener questions this week. Uh, we'll try and fit a few of them in. Because there shouldn't be much news in the next one, so we'll try and do that. Uh, next week we're going to do the NFC East and the NFC North, which should be interesting. But no, uh, so any other any other plans for the weekend or any crack at yourself? Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going with Sean, our mutual friend, and Marcus, who, who's also a friend... Uh, Going to see a film about Diego Maradona documentary. Should oh, be very good. Uh, and at work, I'm mostly prepping for JSM this year, which so I'll be flying over to Denver at the end of uh, end of this month. So just doing a lot of work at prep, uh, a lot of prep at work for that at the moment as well. Mm. You you be able to catch yourself an old uh, preseason game when you're out there? Uh, yeah, well, no, it'll be too early for preseason. I think it'll be the end of July. So ah, fair enough. Uh, so I thought it might be early August. 
No, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I'm going to chill. I've got uh, a few bits to do prep for an interview and stuff. And then uh, going to go watch the uh, final of the Women's World Cup on Sunday. So it should be good fun. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it was actually, we were watching the um, the France-USA game uh, down in the, the pub artists in town. It was a very good big crowd in there at it as well, which was uh, nice to see. So it uh, should be good fun. And then, um, yeah, that's about it, really. I have to go and sort out some of my exam stuff. Uh, next week which will be fun so travelling up and down to Erbil which will be fun going down to the uh, the, the British consulate boo because uh, I have to sit my exams through them because it's uh, University of London kind of exam so it's either that or I have to fly back so I'll uh, I'll accept it for now <laughs> well you get in now before Brexit so might as well do it like that's it that's it but um, yeah so we'll, so that'll wrap us up for now we'll be back next week with the uh, NFC East and the NFC North uh but yeah, so I suppose bye for myself, bye from Roman. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks so much for listening, and we will chat to you next week. Bye.